going to be in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 37. Some of you guys that are uh, newer to us here at Providence, you may not uh, have recognized Dave up here leading us, but it's good to have Dave back. Dave was the original uh, worship leader here at Providence 10 years ago when we started this thing. Uh, We have come a long way uh, since the science classroom at the middle school uh, where Dave was spinning circles as he led us in worship uh, with uh, marvelous light. That was, a, that was a fun morning. Uh, we've come a long way since then, and, uh, and I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to have Dave back to join us and, uh, and be back here with us. I've prayed a long time about what to, uh, what to say this morning, what to talk about this morning. How do you properly kind of uh, mark the, the, the moment of a, a decade of us gathering together? Do you talk about the good? Do you talk about the bad, the unexpected? Uh, how, do, how, do you, how do you kind of give proper reverence to all of those things? And I honestly still don't know the best way to do this. Uh, I still don't know the best way to, uh, to talk about these, uh, these things. Um, thought a lot about those earliest days, just uh, really just a few months in the, the middle school at, uh, at Jeff Middle, and then, and then coming over to the community center where we were there for so long and... Uh, Man, I, I just I, I think a lot about what it's taken for us to get here. And there's been so many highs and so many lows. Days I thought we were done. Uh, days where I thought we were good, but y'all thought, nope, we're done. Uh, because you were done listening to me or something had happened. And we just thought, you know what, we're done. There's been days when we were busting at the seams, uh, even at the community center, where we were pulling out chairs and pulling out chairs. We, didn't, we could barely fit people in there. And the same here. And then there's also been days where it's been like, did we cancel church and nobody told the pastor? Like, uh, we've, had, we've had both of those. It's been me and the band for, uh, for, the, for the morning. We've had a lot of that. How do we honor the sacrifice, the sweat, the early mornings, the, the setup and the teardown, the joy of getting a building, the disappointment of having to close that building due to COVID, all of those things. How do you set the right tone for the morning? Man, I, I've thought about this for months. So I went back to the, the, the Wayback Machine, and one of the, the great things about being a pastor, one of the blessings and curses of being a pastor is, uh, and I'm not sure which one, this is, which, which one of these is better, but most people forget everything you say. That's weird, having to stand up here and do this every Sunday and know that most people are just going to forget what I am going to say. But there's also a blessing to that because I say dumb things sometimes, and sometimes it's just better and you just... Sometimes I pray at the end, God, just let people forget everything I said this morning. That would be helpful. Uh, both of those things are, are, are good. But there's a, there's a sermon that uh, I preached 10 years ago, uh, the final Sunday at Jefferson Middle. Most of you were not here, uh, but some of you were there and a part of this. But I can almost bet none of you remember this sermon. But I do. And the reason that I do is because it was kind of a marker for me. Uh, it was a marker for me because I... I revisited this question over and over and over again uh, over the last 10 years. Now, I've not gone back to the sermon, but I've revisited the question. It's from Ezekiel 37, and it's the question, can these bones live? And what I want to do this morning is I want to summarize what, some of what I said that day. I'm not going to re-preach that message. I, I'm not 
I'm not that lazy. Um, I don't want to, to re-preach that message, but I do want to summarize some of what I said uh, that day. And then after I summarize some of that, I want to, I want to kind of draw some, uh, I, I don't know, maybe kind of answer some of the questions that were asked 10 years ago. And so, uh, unlike so many church planners, I get a chance to, to give part two uh, of this message this morning, and I am uh, honored to do so. So let's dive back into this familiar story uh, from Ezekiel 37. Haven't preached on it since that day, um, but it's a story that most of us know well, the Valley of Dry Bones. Ezekiel 37, verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. So the Valley of the Bones, this is a mass grave of Israel's soldiers that God has brought Ezekiel to, this mass grave that he has brought out there, and this is from a, 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 a previous judgment that had been prophesied uh, on Israel's soldiers. Uh, if you've been with Providence over the last year, you know we've talked about exile a lot. This is, this is the defeated army from, from when Israel was taken into exile, uh, and they were taken captive by the Babylonians. So this is God's people now appear to be forsaken by God. The, 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 the bones of the soldiers laying there, dead. It, for all intents and purposes, you have to imagine, if you're looking over the, 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 the bones of, of this mass grave that's supposed to be what represents the strength and the might of Israel, what other conclusion can you draw from that other than God has forgotten or left us? No doubt that's how Israel felt that day. That day. And that's where God brings Ezekiel. He says, all right, I want you to see something. And then in verse 3, God asks a question. He says, son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? Now, we, if you know the rest of the story, you know like how this answers. But just try for a second to not know what's going to happen here in just a minute. Just try to think like... I, like you're Ezekiel and you have no idea what's about to happen. And somebody comes and they says this. This is not a complicated question. The answer is no. These bones cannot live. It's, a, it's an absurd question. Clearly not. No, nobody takes you to a cemetery and says, can these people live right now? You're like, no, they're dead. They're buried. That's the way that this works. Dead people don't put themselves back together. Everyone knows this. But Ezekiel had seen enough at this point. This is toward the end of his book. Ezekiel had seen enough to know that God can sometimes ask loaded questions. Questions that God had an answer to that Ezekiel might not expect. And then Ezekiel gives my favorite answer, one of my favorite answers in all of Scripture. He says, not, no, of course not. What he says is, oh Lord God, you know. So he kind of puts it back to God, like, I'm not going to answer this, yes or no. I'm going to say, you know, and then I'm going to trust you to kind of fill in the blanks here because you've set me up for a loaded question and I'm going to dodge it. So he says, oh Lord God, you know. That's a solid answer to avoid being kind of put in a box. Put it back on the one who asked the question. Ezekiel knows the answer is no, but he also has an idea that God might just do something. So God decides to show Ezekiel exactly 
what he has in mind. There's three things for us to consider here this morning from this passage. Same three, same three things that we looked at ten years ago. The preacher, the word, and the spirit. The preacher, the word, and the spirit. So let's take them in order of how these things kind of come to us here. Ezekiel 37 verse 4. He said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. How many of y'all just started singing a song right there? I know some of y'all did. Here, he says, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and you will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. So God tells Ezekiel, I've got a message that I need you to deliver for me. And then Ezekiel does exactly, or Ezekiel, he, he comes to Ezekiel and he says, he says, I've got this message. And then he tells him exactly what he's supposed to say. He, he tells him exactly what he is supposed to say. Now, this is interesting because we have the record of God telling Ezekiel. God says the words. Why did God not just say this to the bones? Why have Ezekiel do this at all? Why have Ezekiel deliver the message? Why does God not just say exactly what he said to Ezekiel, but turn and say it to everything in the valley? Why have Ezekiel deliver the message? It's an odd exchange. He could say it himself. After all, it is the word of God that as God speaks, he brings forth creation, right? When he speaks, the the world is formed. When he speaks, all this is given. Why does he need Ezekiel to do this? We know he doesn't need it. But he gives the message to him anyway. And it is a beautiful picture of how God has chosen to work in our world. He may not need Ezekiel to do this. But he chooses to use him in the work of calling death to life. And so it is today. God chooses me, and he chooses you to do the same work today. For us to speak, to speak into a a valley of dry bones, to speak into a life that is dead, that is apart from Christ, and that God will then do the work, but he calls us to speak and to say the words. God chooses me and you to do the work. I know I'm the preacher, but this is for all of us. Make no mistake. He chooses to use us in his work. From caring for orphans and widows, to serving college students, to sharing the gospel. God doesn't have to use us for any of those things. He does not need us. but he chooses to use us. This is what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10. You guys know this passage. How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Now, don't get lost on that word preaching. This is just communicating the gospel. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. 
Friends, this is our task. It was our task 10 years ago, and it is our task today. If providence is to see another 10 years, this must be the cry of the people of providence to be bringers of good news. Not just to be gatherers of a good time, but to be bringers of good news. From those close to us in our homes to our co-workers, to those that are around us, to those far away. And while we may have had some missions opportunities taken from us over the course of the last 18 months or so, we will re-engage in that. God has called us alongside Him to do His work. Why does He do it that way? I'm, in all honesty, I have no idea. Man, group projects are the worst. Nobody likes doing group projects because somebody ends up doing all the work, right? Nobody likes group projects. Wouldn't it just be easier for God to say, I'll do it myself? Now think about who he brings into that group, me and you. And you know he'd be better off by himself than bringing you into the group. But that's what he chooses to do. And he says, I'm going to use you for this. Why does he do it? I don't know other than the fact that I know that we benefit from this. Because we get to do the same thing that Ezekiel did. We get front row seats to see God bring life where there was none. Look in verse 7. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling of the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. So let's stop. What did Ezekiel do? So we had the account in 4 through 6 of what he, uh, what he was told to do. And then what did Ezekiel do? He preached the exact message God gave him to preach. He didn't alter it in any way. In spite of the fact that it's absurd to preach to dry bones. It's absurd. What he was asked to do is ridiculous. I kind of wonder if he didn't, if he wasn't like, like we don't have it recorded here, but you just have to wonder if he's like, uh, you want me to say that to the bones? I mean, okay. And then he kind of is like, here's what you should do. I prophesied and I did it. I said it exactly like you told. Like, you just wonder if he's like almost, almost kind of sarcastic in his Respond. Maybe that's just because I think that's what I would probably be like. Okay, fine. If that's what you want me to do, that's what I'll do. But he did it. And at the word of God, the bones begin to come together piece by piece, and they create something new, life that wasn't there before. Bone to bone, tendon to muscle, ligament to bone, it all comes together. Something comes from Nothing. But even as the flesh comes back on these bones, something is missing. There was no breath in them. Just standing there. In verse 19, then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy son of man and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. 
Therefore, prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you, raise you from your graves. O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. You shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land, and then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken. I will do it, declares the Lord. So we have this language of spirit and wind and breath, like it's all kind of mixed in here. It's the same word in the, in the, in the Hebrew there, the word for spirit, wind, and breath. It all works together. So when it says, speak to the breath, this would be analogous for us to, to what prayer would be, to, to ask the spirit to work. And it is the spirit that then does the work. It says that the wind came in, the breath came in, again, all the same word, and it makes them alive. They are still corpses till that moment when the breath comes in and then they are alive. They are dead. God breathes his spirit in them through the word of Ezekiel. And then they are brought to life. This is a picture of our salvation. This is how salvation works. God uses what the, 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 the work of someone speaking his word. These are not Ezekiel's words. God uses the work of someone speaking his word. And at the speaking of his word, something happens where the spirit then comes and indwells us. And it takes people who were dead in our trespasses and it brings us to new life. That is why we exist as a church. It's for that moment right there that we would see that happen, that we would see God use his word and that we would have front row seats to see people go from from death to life. Dead men don't walk. Dead men don't come back to life unless God gets involved. That was the gist of my message that I gave 10 years ago. Edited for time. I know some of you guys are like, man, I wish he edited for time back then. I was a lot longer back then whenever I... I've shortened things, believe it or not. But, like, that was the gist of my message. I gave three application points. I want to revisit those three application points, and that's what we're going to talk about the rest of our time this morning. The first, I wanted to talk about the preacher. Ten years ago, I needed the people of Providence to know that I was all in that I was all in on this mission, that I was not coming here to Jefferson City, a place I had not lived before, a place I did not know, a place that did not have a target, a place that didn't have anything that we thought we needed uh, in our lives, right? But I needed people to know I was all in. I didn't come here to give it a go. I didn't come here to see how this planting thing would go and just see, yeah, If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I was all in. I was selling my house. I was moving my family. I was changing a pretty pretty clear career path that I had in larger churches. I was all in. You've heard me say a lot of times over the last 10 years, for a long time, I said the only thing that I would not do is I would not be the pastor of a small church in a small town. And that's exactly what it was that God had called me to do. But I was all in. Today, 10 years later, here's what I want you to know. I am still all in. Every fiber of me is still all in. 
every part of me. I'm 10 years into this, and I figure I've already spent about a third of my ministry life for the people of Providence. And I fully, fully feel like the next two-thirds of, uh, of my ministry life will be spent in the same place. Now, obviously, God can do anything at any time. But I feel that, like, that time, that clock ticking. I feel like the window is already beginning to close of the work that we have to do here. The work we have to do with the people that are here, the work we have to do in this community to see the kingdom of God shape and affect people, change people, to see more life from death. I am just as excited today to stand here and proclaim God's word and lead the people of Providence as I was then. Probably, well, not probably, I am more excited today than I was 10 years ago. I know a lot of pastors. I know very, very few that would say that. And I can say that because of God's goodness, because of God's peace that he has given me in this task, and because I love you guys. And by God's grace, I think you guys, I think you guys love me, but I know that you've been a great people in a great church. Most of the pastors that I know could not say that about the people that God has given them. But I can. I am confident in God's word. I am confident in God's people. Both of those things I am more confident in today than I was 10 years ago. I want you guys to know I am still all in. Still all in. What I would add now that I did not say 10 years ago is that you're all in. It's not just, not just as important as mine. It's more important. I might be the preacher, but it is the task of all of us to declare what it is that God is doing, to declare his word, and to see the work of the Spirit done. That is not my task. In fact, what it tells us in, in, in Ephesians is that my task is to equip you to see that done. Not that I would do it, but that you would do it. We are all tasked with being good news, with being the, the good news bringers. It is our task and it is our joy to do it together. So I would add that. I would say, I need you guys all into. And that's not to say that I don't think that you have been. It's simply saying, just like I'm all in and I have been, I need you to keep on going too. Because here's the thing. Here's what I know. All it takes is for us to, to take our eye off the ball for just a minute. To retreat and to pull back for just a minute. A couple of missteps here, a couple of missteps there, a couple of steps to the left, a couple of steps to the right, off of mission, and we're done. We're done. We have not arrived at anything. Our call today is the same call we had 10 years ago, to be on mission and to take the next step of faithfulness that God has given us. The second thing, the second point that we talked about then was the word. The rock-solid commitment of Providence Church has always been 
our reliance on and submission to God's word. From day one, that has not changed. It is the number one in our list of our core, uh, of our core values and who we are. The absolute authority of Scripture that has never and will never waver. And I am more convinced than ever of how important that is. And there's too much at stake for us to let that slip. Think about all the things that we've done if you've been, for the, the few of you that have been here since the, the, that, that time, in 10 years. In 2012, so it was 2011, whenever we got started, in 2012, we launched something called The Journey. This is nuts to launch a church with this plan. I have no idea why God set and orchestrated things where this is how we started in 2012. But we did the journey. And what we did is we went through the entire, entire Bible in a year. Y'all think I preach a long time whenever I'm up here talking about a few verses? I had 20 to 25 chapters a week to cover whenever we were doing that in 2012. It was a lot. But that's, a, that's turned out to be a pretty good foundation to launch a church on. The entire Bible. In the time since we began, we have covered uh, a lot of Genesis, not all of it, but a lot of Genesis, Exodus, Ruth, Ecclesiastes. We spent two summers in the Psalms, huge chunks of Proverbs, Matthew, most of John, Romans, 2 John, 3 John, part of 1 John, Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, Zechariah, Esther, Philemon, part of Revelation, Philippians, Colossians, and the book of Acts. That's a pretty good run for 10 years to cover all of that. A lot of you guys can think back like, yeah, that was the series we were on whenever I came. That's what we were talking about then. And then a handful of other uh, like topical series that, uh, including last year, almost a whole year talking about the attributes of God. That's a good list. That's a good list. I can't wait to see where God takes us in the next 10 years. If I can be so humble as to quote myself from 10 years ago, this is what I said. If the bones of this church are going to begin to come together, it is the word of God that will do the work. And I believe with all my heart that we are here today because God has done that work. And I believe with all I am that if we're going to do anything worth mattering in the next 10 years, it will be because we trusted God and his word to do the work again. The third thing is the spirit. If it was true of the bones, if it's true of us as individuals, then it is true for us as a church as well. We are absolutely dependent upon the Holy Spirit for life. We can manufacture a feeling But we can't fake life. It is the Spirit that makes us alive. We can manufacture emotion. We can manufacture a crowd. But we can't fake life. And if we are alive, it is because the Spirit has made us so. I said it last week, and you'll need to go and listen to the podcast if you didn't hear last week's message. But I'll repeat it again this week. Prayer must move up on the priority list here at Providence. I've already heard so much good feedback from from many of you who have said that you felt uh, even the same kind of push and the same calling and have begun to pray more in your own groups and with one another. That blesses me more than you can know. 
But prayer needs to be the normal, everyday conversation among the people of Providence. It should be the expectation that on a Sunday morning that we regularly hear, well, let me pray for you. Let's do that right now. Let's pray about this together. Let's go over here and let's just pray. That should be the norm of whenever we are together with one another. Let's just pray about it. We cannot fake life. We are utterly dependent upon the Spirit to give us life. I mean, we can be kind of like puppets on strings. We can, we can move around. We can go through the motions. But we can't have life. There's one more thing I want to I show us in this story that I did not talk about 10 years ago. It, think of all the craziness. If you've read through the book of Ezekiel, that's a weird book. Man, I, it's probably going to be the last book I ever preach on here. Because it's weird. There's just all kinds of weird stuff that happens in this book. I know some people are like, no, it's a great book. There's so much good stuff. There is. But it's weird. He has to do a lot. He's got to lay on his side for a year. He's got to cook food over human excrement. Yes, that's in there if you didn't know that. And then you got this wild scene here in chapter 37, seeing this massive pile of bones move uh, from, uh, from being bones on the ground to a full-fledged army to fight. Can you imagine what Ezekiel's prayer life would have been like at that point? Like, there is nothing he would have been afraid to ask for. I mean, he just saw bones become life again. Man, he could ask for anything. No hesitation about anything. And that sarcasm of, okay, fine, I'll say whatever you want me to, God. He's got to be like, he's got to be waiting for the next mission that God has for him. Like, all right, what do you got for me next? That was awesome. I can't wait to see what the next thing is, God. What is the next thing that you have? Because... That was really cool. And then when God comes to him and kind of puts his hand on his shoulder and says, all right, I've got another task for you, Ezekiel. Can you imagine how excited he would have been, how prepared he would have been for that? I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, I feel like I would probably feel about, like right now, I feel about the same way that I think Ezekiel might have felt then. Like, if, if God were to call us to do something crazy as a church today, I am cautious, so I would be cautious. But I'm telling you, I would be confident that God would do whatever he had called us to do. Based off of what we've seen for the last 10 years, why shouldn't I be? I mean, we're here. God has brought us here. I feel like I could say, all right, we're here. Let's go. We trust you in this. Let's do it. Perhaps if I were a better preacher, a better pastor, a better vision caster, I'd have that vision ready to go for you. I'd lay it out there for you. I would say, all right, here's the next 10 years of Providence. And I would, I, I would lay all this out there. And it would be like we would own this whole block. And this would be like all these ministries happening on all these, uh, you know, these different places. We could buy the building next door. And then we'll like buy CVS. And we'll do this down here. And then before you know it, we're going to be all the way like we, get, we just got the whole thing. Like I could lay out that kind of vision for you if that was the way that I was wired, but that is not how I'm wired. I don't have any of that kind of stuff. There's no cool like graphics going to show up here. There's not going to be any like animated architectural drawings of anything. No building campaigns are getting launched today. None of that kind of stuff. Perhaps that's a failure on my part, and I would own that. But look at verse 15. This is right after what we just saw with the bones coming together. The word of the Lord came to me, 
So right now, he's like, all right, what do you got for me, God? I'm on board. Let's go. Son of man, take a stick and write on it. Just take a stick and write on it. Write this. For Judah and the people of Israel associated with them, then take another stick and write on it. For Joseph, the stick of Ephraim, and all the house of Israel associated with him. Now join them one to another into one stick, that they may become one in your hand. That's what he asked him to do. That's it. Go get a stick. Go get another stick. Write something on your stick. And then hold them together in your hand and walk around. Then whenever people ask you, hey, what's that stick in your hand? Then you tell them this message. And the message is about how God is going to bring back together the people of Israel in the northern and the southern kingdom. That's it. Go walk around with some sticks in your hand. That is not nearly as cool as the bones. We don't sing songs about, look at the two sticks I have in my hand. We don't, we don't tell that story in, in, in Sunday school to the kids. Because it's boring. It's kind of lame. It's no fun. There's no good visual with that. I mean, if I, were to, uh, if I were to do that this morning, if I were to walk around with some sticks in my hand, y'all would be like, what do you got sticks in your hand? I'm like, this is amazing what God has told me. Y'all would be like, that's great. It's fantastic. And that would be about it. Like, it's just not, it's, it's, it could not be more anticlimactic if you're, if you're Ezekiel. Could you not, like, at least make the sticks do something cool? Like, can we, like, rub them together and make them do fireworks or do something? Like, can we do something with these two sticks besides just carry them around? Nope. Just walk around with two sticks in your hand. That's it. Listen, I don't know what the next 10 years has for Providence. I didn't know what, what was in store for Providence 10 years ago. I don't know what the next year has in store for Providence. I don't know what it will look like. I don't know who will be a part of it. But listen, I'm okay doing it with sticks. I know some of you guys are like, oh man, that's just not, that's not, that's a lack of faith. You got to believe that God can bring together the bones again. Man, I would love nothing more than for God to do something crazy. I mean, I feel like I've kind of seen that. The fact that we're here today is kind of crazy. I feel like I've kind of seen that. I'd love to see something that just blows my mind in the next 10 years. But honestly, I'm okay with sticks. I'm okay with just doing the next thing that God calls us to do, whatever that is. Maybe the next 10 years is we just get together, we talk about Jesus, we talk about the Bible, we celebrate the faithfulness of God, we pray. And we pray that people come from death to life. And it's just ordinary Sundays. Just ordinary church. I'm okay with that. If that's what God calls us to do. Because we've talked about this. When we, just a few weeks ago, we talked about the Lord's Supper. Flour, water, juice. Baptism, just water. Ordinary things. But what God does with ordinary things is extraordinary. What he does with me and you, just ordinary people, is extraordinary. 
I told you one of my favorite verses at the end of James. He talks about Elijah. You, like, you know Elijah. Elijah saw some cool stuff. He saw fire come down from heaven. He's got one of the cool stories like Ezekiel does. At the end of the book of James, it says that Elijah was a man just like, just like us. He's an ordinary guy. Ordinary things. Just two sticks held together in your hand. God does most of his work in the ordinary day-to-day life of community, prayer, Bible study, conviction, correction, encouragement, preaching, teaching, doing the work of an evangelist, as Paul tells Timothy. The ordinary work of ministry. God never... God never... will will never forsake us in that ordinary work. So pray for some amazing things. Yes, absolutely. Look for God to do amazing things. Goodness knows. We know that he can do that. But we also know that he blesses just the faithful work of his people day in and day out. So what is the vision for Providence Church for the next 10 years? It's the same thing it's been for the last 10 years. It's the people of God trusting the word of God to do the work of God through the power of the spirit of God. I hope every one of you will be a part of that. I hope people that I've never met, I hope people who don't live in Jefferson City, I hope people who are far away will come and be a part of that. I hope some of you, I get to send far away to be a part of that. We've got, we've got college students that have been a part of what we've done here that live all over this country and all over the world that have gone all over the world to see the ordinary work of doing an evangelist, of being an evangelist, doing the work of an evangelist. Man, I hope I get to send you guys all over the place. I hope God will bring more people here I hope 10 years from now I get to stand up and I get to give part three of this message. But the main thing that I hope is that we'll be faithful and we'll trust God to do his work. Will you pray with me? Father, we stand here humbled, joyful, grateful, Father, I don't know what the next 10 years looks like. You do. You do. And so, Father, I I simply want to give you my all in. I'm, I'm here, and I just ask that you will use me. Father, as a church, I pray that we would give our all in. Lay it all on the table. And then we would say, God, use us. Father, may we trust you more. May we rely on you more. Will will you allow the last 10 years to be a, a bolster to our faith? Father, I pray above all that you would be glorified. 
that one day, as Jordan said, the, the, the name of Providence Church disappears off this earth. That one day when our names disappear off this earth, when nothing remains of what we've built here, but you remain, that you will have been glorified in what we have done. Father, my prayer is that you would glorify yourself. And we humbly thank you that we get to be a part of that task. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Worship with us.